0: We don't know why we're starting a podcast after exclusively talking to no one for the past year, but we're here. Hi, welcome to Feeling Myself. We talk about everything from relationships, online dating, from therapy sessions to wanking. It's officially an all-rounder and that's what we wanted, an oversharing, self-loving, mental dump of love, friendship, life and self-worth. Thank you so much for listening and if you like what you hear, please rate, like, follow and subscribe. In this episode, Lauren and I discuss childhood trauma, which deals with and discusses child abuse, suicide, addiction, depression, anxiety. And if that's not something you can hear about right now, just please look after yourself and skip to last week's episode where we asked the bigger questions like, would you sit on Olaf's face? Is Elsa a lesbian? As always, thank you so much. You're always so kind and enjoy the show.
1: That is such a banger. Hey Natasha. How was your week? <laughs> uh I don't know. Alright. I just played tennis, so I'm quite happy about that. How are you? I'm okay. I was listening to a podcast. My my therapist texted me and she was like, if you have time, I think you should listen to this podcast, which I knew meant you better fucking listen to it. But yeah, it was this podcast. Um it was Alanis Morissette's podcast. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, and she had this woman on there. But the first half I was very, very into and it they were talking about codependency, but this woman doesn't call it codependency. She calls it immaturity something, which is about right, because it's basically we're all wounded children, aren't we, walking around? She was saying that some people come to her and they say like, but I don't know anyone who's normal. Surely everyone is, is like this. And she was like, but the thing is that normal people are not attracted to your chaos. Like normal people will not stick around you for very long when you're like that. So you will attract... Chaos. Yeah. People who are also on some kind of chaotic energy level. Whether that's another codependent or whether that's a love avoidant or a narcissist. You're not going to attract super, super well-adjusted people with healthy childhood backgrounds (laughs) when you're like this. Oh God. Yeah, so we're all fucked. Cool. (laughs) right shall we talk about like what we've been watching or listening to or reading
0: well well now i'm embarrassed because i have a stack of books that i sell myself this i'm gonna read life and um lauren do i bollocks
1: every book is got like a a corner after chapter one i'm exactly the same oh thank god i will name a book like any topic i'll be like oh there's such a great book on that like i'll say it and they'll be like is it good and i'll be like well i haven't fucking read it i mean i bought it
0: yeah i've
1: got some it's in it's there (laughs) it's holding up some stuff but
0: honestly it's so embarrassing i used to read (laughs) i
1: think i the last book i properly read was what to expect when expecting But that's the thing, because even when I have the time, I don't have the, like, mental capacity. I will like, read a sentence and then have no idea what that sentence said.
0: Oh, but then, Lauren, I have such guilt, because I honestly probably spent two hours the other day just scrolling. I know. And in my head, the little voice was like, listen, bitch, yeah, we've got Wim Hof's autobiography. (laughs) Let's get on it. That That might have the answer. All the books that I have got on my list are all, like, self-help or they've got a positive message. And sometimes I'm not in the mood. Sometimes I want, like, a ghost story or um, a crime thriller. (laughs) Sometimes we just have to admit that that's what we're into. Marianne Keys floats
1: my boat. What can I say? Absolutely. It's escapism, isn't it? Like, I've got loads of books. I'm the same. Like, I've, I've got a book recently about narcissistic mothers That's probably great and really helpful, but it's also very heavy, and I don't always want to sit with those feelings. Sometimes I just want to, like, read some absolute shite.
0: Yeah, no, it's too heavy,
1: man. I think also pandemic
0: has really kicked our asses. That's why, like, I binge-watched Bridgerton. I needed
1: everything to be light and fluffy absolutely i this is shameful this is literally embarrassing but i have started watching friends again oh my god you absolute filth bag well and i know and it is awful like watching it back now like so much of it obviously from a 2020 lens or 2021 whatever it is inappropriate and there's so much in it that's problematic but at the time you know it is what it is and it it is just so light and fluffy Mm -hmm. and you can just have it on in the background and it just yeah it's just such a good vibe and it reminds me of like a simpler time it reminds me of watching it when it was on channel four all the time and
0: oh it's every sunday
1: holly oaks yeah and friends
0: i think the thing with friends is it's the predictability of it like you know what's gonna happen you there's no surprises here but like, you know what you're getting it's just pure escapism every real housewives i'm watching babes so i want to tell you that i'm watching <laughs> documentaries it depends what, what your class made in chelsea as <laughs>
1: It is a documentary. We look back as one. Uh,
0: But yeah, I am scumbag. I'm not watching anything. I'm watching that and Vikings. I have never watched Vikings. Everyone tells me to watch it all the time. And in Vikings, all the women are so badass. Are they? And they're like at the front of the fights. And there's this amazing thing that they do uh, when they're about to go fighting. And Lagertha, the main Viking lady, (sighs)
1: she's
0: like, shield wall! And they create this shield wall. And... Honest to God, I just shout shield wall at anything that's upsetting me now. That's,
1: that's a way to live. I love that. And yeah, of course, it's got Travis Fimmel in it, hasn't it? He's a regular feature on the old TMC. I'm going to add it to my list. Well, I've been watching um, Working Moms. Working Moms. Because um, there's five seasons now. I feel like I missed the memo on that. So I'd only seen up to three. I've never watched that. What's that on? Netflix. Uh, oh, I watched The Duchess. Yeah, I love The Duchess. I'm just, I am just love everything Catherine Ryan does. I'm obsessed with her. I've pre-ordered her book as well because I am a mega fan. I'll add that to my pile of things to not read. <laughs> but Working Mums is very along that same line. Not quite as... It's a bit like Motherland. Have you watched Motherland? See,
0: I don't like Motherland.
1: I feel bad for saying that. I don't know. It's just a bit too cheesy for me. I think you'll like Working Moms. I want you to watch it and report back. I, I just finished watching season three to like catch myself up. And she, the she's got like this really young boyfriend, and he likes drinking her breast milk from her tits. And it's just—it's really good. <laughs> You've sold it to me now. Yeah, and it's just about the realities of being a working mother and all of that comes with that. Other than that, yeah, I'm the same. As you. I'm not fucking reading anything. Um, listening. Obviously Catherine Ryan's podcast is all the awesome. same <laughs> all the time. I love this trend of everyone making podcasts because people who I like really respect and admire are now talking to me for an hour. Like <laughs> So what sex toys have you been playing with? I've still got I've got this uh
0: You've been holding that for since eleven and it's now three nearly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just so squishy. You just treat a dildo like a stress ball. Yeah, they are. I wonder if that the microphone's picking up my me hitting my very firm dildo. I just love having one around, to be honest with you. But I am in quite a lot of pain down south. Wait, wait. Ta- so so you texted me the other day, didn't you? And then I was like, can you save this for the podcast? Fucking rude, that was. <laughs> it was such a golden story. I felt like it needed to be told here. And I wanted a genuine... Well, I know.
0: That was why we were going to be like, how was your week? Well, it was... Come on. I went on an impromptu London overnight stay date with the man i am seeing who we will call Ernest. So me and Ernest went to London last week to go to see art because we're cultured. But then we came to the sex portion of the evening yes, you do. and that was going fantastic except i had the most insane hay fever attack in the afternoon so I couldn't breathe out my nose and then we were basically 69ing each other and I just thought well this is how I'm gonna go then (laughs) I'm gonna suffocate but because I was like upside down my nasal passages cleared and it was all fine so just in case you're wondering it went fine but as we were finishing he was like I'm going to go down here, you go up there. But um, I think I was in like a cum zone, so I was not listening. As I slid up, I basically snail-trailed his head. (laughs) And he was just like, Natasha, you're sitting on my head with your family. (laughs) But you know when your legs have like gone, I just couldn't get up quick enough and it... I think I was slowly suffocating him with my flap slaps.
1: I mean, if you have to go, that is a great way to do it.
0: So we both had near life and death experiences. Me with my nostrils being blocked and him with my absolute chaotic vagina in the face.
1: <laughs> you had a really good time.
0: Honestly, it was uh, some stuff happened.
1: I but my that. vagina is so sore this morning. Like, you know, when you've been really... Railed. <sighs> I am... Um this is a long time ago now but my vagina was so sore i actually had to reach out to instagram i literally was like guys i can't walk i can't even sit like it's so uncomfortable and what i ended up doing is <laughs> i got some sanitary towels like the thick ones not the thin ones um i got some witch hazel put a bit on there froze them i still have some in my freezer wrap them in foil put them in my freezer stick one in your knickers when your fanny just needs a bit of soothing <gasps> Mhm. thank me later my, yeah, my vagina was bruised. It was it was not happy, but it worked a treat. It's like a little ice lolly for your fanny. I've learnt so much from this chat. I feel like I'm really sharing some knowledge today. You sound like a scientist. Life is too short to not be having mind-blowing sex. Oh, I'm still recording. Are you? Yeah. Because today we're going to our life stories, aren't we? So it might not be a super hilarious episode. <laughs> right, here's the thing. Here's what I've been thinking all week about this. All of us have these life stories that are full of beauty and pain and heartbreak and happiness and like everything. They're all so unique and they're all what shapes our perspective on things. We're going to have some people on this podcast to come and share their stories that we're going to get so much from. And I think we should absolutely share ours and give some context to who we are and what made our opinions our opinions you were born in 1989 I was yeah thank
0: god because I don't know how I would feel if you were in the 90s (laughs) just made it yeah so what went wrong with you
1: (laughs) I certainly and I think a lot of people spend a lot of time feeling like well it could have been worse my life isn't really that bad it could have been worse I don't have any right to be thinking like oh my life's shit because you know I've got a roof over my head and blah 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 but we're not playing trauma top trumps it's not a competition yeah exactly and and everyone's like if you found something in your life difficult that's that's so valid whether or not someone's had it worse better different i don't know if you've had this but like because this year i was dating lots
0: i would i would overshare i'd get all my trauma out the way on the first
1: date, and i'm
0: like this is as crazy as it
1: is Yeah. I totally get that. Like from that, especially from that perspective, like laying it all out. This is my darkest pieces. Like save us all some time and run now if you're going to run. This is another thing of like knowing what the fuck is normal or healthy and what isn't. And I don't have a clue either. We, me and my therapist went through some emotional needs and one of them is privacy. Well, I'm someone who broadcasts their entire life on Instagram to 25,000 people. So <laughs> I was like, privacy? What do you, like, I don't have a door in my bathroom either. Like, what do you mean? And yeah, it's like, sometimes it's, it's almost easier to overshare. Yeah. That's me. I don't know. That's like, well, I've told people and I, it's, I'll laugh at it rather than actually sitting with the real feelings on your own and accepting what, what it is. Do you listen to like Brené Brown? I love Bre- the power of vulnerability. Changed my life. Yeah, so so being vulnerable. So this whole time I've been like, I'm so great because I'm so vulnerable and I share all this stuff. When she when she was talking about, you know, vulnerability is not live tweeting your bikini wax. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm getting this quite right because I think maybe I'm too much. It's a fine line to find that boundary for yourself, isn't it? But
0: then this is the reason that like, I was getting nervous. We discussed that we should like do this, tell everyone about ourselves. And I got nervous because... I've actually
1: got it down to what might sound like an unemotional script. I mean, I think the thing is, it's your story. And you can tell it or not tell it in whichever way you want. I think your story is worth telling if you want to tell it. Dee, you go first. <laughs> I, You were like, oh, I don't think I could fill very long. And I was like, I could talk for about three or four days <laughs> about myself. Where do you start? 1989. I was thinking this. I don't think, no. I mean, I was born. People know that. Well, like, how did you... How did Dylan come to be? Yeah, let's start there. Hang on, let's hydrate. Okay, so I have a history of horrific relationships. I was just talking on Instagram about one particular horrific relationship with a DJ um, who was an arsehole and who got a married woman pregnant while we were together. And then I stayed with him because that's childhood trauma for you and um it was just awful and then he ended up marrying someone else it was just horrific how old were you so that was like nine ten years ago so I guess I was like 21 at the time at the time I thought I was like totally cool and in control but now looking back I can totally see that I was just desperate to be loved and desperate to be wanted and enough and that's why I stayed with him because I didn't believe anyone else was gonna love me, and I wanted it to be with him.
0: Do you think his like love and or atten- or not even love, his attention validated you?
1: Yeah, because when I first met him, I didn't even like him, but just having someone who was like willing to put the time in, he like wore me down. But it felt really flattering at the time because he really wanted to go on a date with me, and it just filled all the holes that at the time I didn't even know that I had and made me feel good and worthy and good enough. Looking back now, I can see that every single relationship I ever had, it was always just with people that had shown interest in me. Like, I don't think I felt anything for anyone until they showed interest in me. And then I was like, oh, I have to like you because you like me and God, no one likes me. So please, I'll pick you, you know what I mean? Like it was, Mm. it was not healthy. It was just one of those relationships where we ticked every single toxic red flag box. Like the first time he told me he loved me, we were having a screaming match outside in the rain. Like it was it was out of a fucking shit movie, like screaming at each other getting pissed down with wet. And then he was like, cause I fucking love you. And I was like, I love you too. And guys, if that happens, like that's not, I was like, how romantic? No, it was awful. But that's the stuff that I think gets romanticized a lot he would DJ for this local club and they were doing this competition on Valentine's Day where you could win a date with him. And he was like, babe, I can't say that I've got a girlfriend. It'll be like bad for business. So like, I have to just go on a date with like a random girl who wins this competition. And like, oh, the whole thing was just, just awful. Just really, really bad. And so once I got out of that and the joke of it is I didn't even dump him. Like he dumped me. He married someone else and that was the end of it. Like I was there to the bitter end. When he got that girl pregnant, I remember saying to him like, I'm going to go out for the day. If you think of me, if you think about me, like just text me and tell me, I just want to know that you're thinking of me. And he didn't text me that whole day. And I still went back that night and ended up like getting back with him. And it it was just awful. Anyway, so after that, I was in such a bad, bad, dark place. I had to change my phone number. I moved to, I moved to Norwich. So I moved to a different like town, city, just to try and like start over. And I was just so sad and broken and then um, I had a new job I was working at vodka revs being the manager there and I was drinking a lot sleeping around a lot which nothing wrong with that but that wasn't really healthy for me because I was still looking to fill that hole and I was just looking for someone anyone to show any kind of attention in me to make me feel validated so yeah I got myself into like quite a few tricky situations. And then this guy I worked with was like, oh my God, my boyfriend's brother, like you'd really like him. He's, he would be really good for you. She showed me a few pictures and I was like, "Mm, all right, yeah, he's a bit of me. Um, So she like set up for us to meet. October we met and by February I was pregnant with (laughs) (gasps) Dylan. Yeah. So obviously I don't regret having Dylan, but yeah, it wasn't um, the most ideal of circumstances. We didn't know each other. We were both really quite young. I think I was, like, 22, 23, and he was 21. And um, we didn't know who each other were. Like, we we had, hadn't had grown up. We didn't have a clue what we were doing or if you wanted to even be together, and then suddenly we were stuck together. I had to go tell my mum that I was pregnant and I, I was mortified. It wasn't the moment that you want it to be. Like, I wanted it to be really happy, and it wasn't. I was so embarrassed. Aww. So, yeah, that was interesting we didn't even live together at that point like so we were very quickly thrown into like quite a serious grown-up situation we ended up moving in with my parents so we could save up some money the first night we stayed in the house together that, that we'd got was after i had dylan like literally i was in hospital and the house wasn't ready and he had to go home and like get this house ready for us and it was just all super chaotic and stressful and didn't give us the best sort of start, I think kind of doomed from there in a lot of ways. So that ended really badly. Dylan was two months old when he moved out for the first time. And um, we sort of went back and forth, back and forth for a little while, but it was not good. Yeah, it wasn't fun. That was my rock bottom. That really, really was. I was in such a bad place. I just cried all of the time. Like, and then I would cry because I was crying because I was just so sad that I had this little baby that just watched me cry constantly. Like, mm. it was dark. Like, everyone knows when you had a baby, like, those first few months are hard anyway. But to be going through that as well. Yeah. And to be sort of be on your own and, oh, it was just, it was not fun. So, <laughs> um, that's when I sort of turned more to Instagram and sort of wrote a bit more about how I felt, and then other people would reach out, and they felt the same, and that kind of helped, helped me keep going a little bit. And being able to write it down and share stuff felt really good.
0: Did it? Did you find a community on there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's still people now I follow who's like our kids have almost grown up together, even though they've never met. Like we all had kids the same age, and Aww. they supported me, or they would share their stories, or they would be like, you know, that was me a few years ago, and now I'm in a better place, and it was exactly what I needed on a time when I felt really alone and scared and vulnerable. Yeah. So I know social media gets a really bad rap, but I found some really beautiful connections there. I really have. It's cheesy as it fucking sounds. And yeah, that kept me going when things were, were pretty shit. Mm-hmm. Um, when Dylan was two, I met my next boyfriend. And that was great for, for a while. That was really great. But he was super normal <laughs> and super well-adjusted and healthy. And I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be in an adult relationship because I wasn't emotionally an adult. And I didn't understand that he, all, even all my friends were like, it's so weird. He doesn't get jealous. And like he, like now I'm like, because he's a fucking normal person. But at the time, I was like, why aren't you getting jealous? Like, you know, my idea of a functioning relationship was so mess, messed up that I couldn't accept what he was giving me. I didn't. I guess I didn't feel worthy of it either. Like I didn't, yeah. I have a lot of regrets about that one, but it is what it is. I remember him talking to me once about a friend of his who was in like a domestic violence sort of situation and he'd helped her move out of this house and he'd got her free and then she'd gone back to the partner and he was furious and he was like, I can't believe she would do that. I'm never speaking to her again. And I was like, but... You you don't get it. Like, have you never felt like you just couldn't live without someone? Like, I completely understood why she'd gone back. Like, I got it. And he was like, that's ridiculous. No, why would I feel like I couldn't live without someone? And I was like, oh, it's so sad that you feel like that. It's so sad you've never felt love like that. And now I'm like, what a fucking twat I was. Like, he didn't feel that because that's a healthy way to feel. It's not normal to go back to people that treat you like shit. But that was my normality. Do you know what I mean? It's a weird one now looking back. But where does that all come from? Well, I don't like for a long time. I didn't know for a long time. I didn't really get it. And then about two years ago now, I had like some sort of breakdown. Like I just a few things happened and I I couldn't cope any longer. So when I was with Adam, I had a miscarriage. And um, obviously, like, it's really sad. And I was devastated to lose the baby. But it was also like quite physically traumatic as well like at one point I was in hospital and I, I really really thought I was gonna die like I really thought this is it I'm gonna die I was like lying on the floor of the toilet I couldn't get up like oh it was just terrific and um yeah I think that that bit bothered me quite a bit as well like I had a lot of flashbacks of that and then some other stuff happened so I ended up going to therapy which I probably should have done a good 10 years earlier and it was really only then that I made any kind of connection between all of this and my childhood That was the first time. Yeah. A lot of things happened in my childhood, but I had, I thought I dealt with them. I thought they were in a box. I thought I'm over that. It doesn't, it hasn't affected me. I used to be like, oh, it's amazing. I'm so normal considering things that happened. Yeah. And then, yes, suddenly I was like, whoa. And she made it all click. It all made sense. All these patterns I was repeating, these patterns from childhood that I was then kept coming into in my adult relationships. And hoping for a different result. Because I was looking for that fantasy that I didn't have then. I was looking for safety. I was looking to be cared for and loved and looked after. I wasn't coming into a relationship as an equal. I was coming in as a child who, you know, like a little kid with their hands up, like, please love me, please look after me, please keep me safe. You you can't have a functioning adult relationship like that.
0: Mm. God. And I... I've been in one relationship since I was 16. He's so well adjusted and he's so quote unquote normal and he has all the healthy attachments and actually he's so consistent and that's what I needed because my parents were just not. I mean, I fell in love with him and it was amazing. And I couldn't believe that someone like him that was so well adjusted and so normal and I needed that validation. Like if he thought I was lovable then i must be
1: that's what it is because because for me as well like my worth is directly affected by whether or not someone wants me finds me attractive loves me and literally minute by minute like i will feel absolutely great and confident one minute and the next minute if i have an argument with someone and they're like fuck you i don't want to speak to you again my worth plummets like instantly like and it it takes up every part of my life. Then I hate what I look like. I hate everything I've ever done. I feel useless in every aspect because someone doesn't want me anymore. Yeah. It's really hard. And that's that's codependency and that's love addiction. And that's the stuff that I'm trying really hard to sort of get past. So how do you unlearn that? I have no fucking idea. It's a process. <laughs> I think it's, it's therapy and it's trauma work. Mm. And it's inner child work because that... Inner child work for me has been a game changer because I can see now that all like lots of the big feelings that I have, like the abandonment, like if someone is being a dickhead and then tries to leave me and I'm chasing them, I'm like, please don't leave me, even though I fucking deserve better. It's because it's this little inner child me, this little me just being like, no, you can't leave me. I'm scared. I don't want to be alone. Mm. I think it's working through when you felt that the first time. It's healing that child who felt that, probably from their parents on the surface I've I've had like a relatively normal childhood and I felt kind of guilty for being affected by it because lots of people are worse like lots of people have had worse childhoods than the one I had so I didn't feel like I had a right to say it was bad or call it trauma or any of that until I got to therapy
0: since Max got, he's at eight now, it's just like
1: he can survive a bit on his own
0: and, and it's so amazing to see because he's his own person and I don't think I have fucked him up. He, he seems quite well-rounded. But like the other day he was sad and he came straight to me and he just could articulate how he was feeling. I thought, how amazing, like instead of feeling guilty that he feels sad, how about we appreciate this whole scenario where your child feels safe enough to be that vulnerable with you.
1: I don't know, I just feel like things are getting better. Like I am unlearning. I think, so I stress about this all the time because the minute I realised that my whole, all my problems, in, in inverted commas, were stemming from childhood. And once I understood how much of an impact those early years had on me, then I started freaking out. Cause I like you say, like Dylan's seven, similar age. And I'm like, he's already seven. I've already fucked it. I've I've already, f- I've fucked everything up. And my therapist was like, okay, but the thing is that in both of our childhoods, when when we were having to see or experience things we should never have done, not one person in that room was even thinking about, oh, this might be fucking him up. Maybe we should not do this. And even having that thought, even being aware that your actions impact them yeah, is like a step in the right direction and yeah, being able to correct mistakes. Mistakes aren't, are gonna happen. I, I want them to know that I'm not perfect because I grew up thinking my parents were supposed to be perfect and I was so fucking pissed off that they weren't. So I want to be able to own mistakes and when I get things wrong, I want to be able to sit with feelings instead of shoving them down the way we have. We're all trained to be like, feelings aren't safe, anger's not safe, like, don't don't be angry, don't be sad. But actually, no, they're really healthy emotions as long as you can sit with them, manage them, don't hurt anybody else. And those are things that we have the power to teach our kids now. And we get to be like the cycle breakers as hard as that fucking is. But we're doing that alongside all the work. It's
0: absolutely <laughs> exhausting. It is. It's- Way easier to just go through life pushing it down, making sure the boxes are fine and shut. It's so hard. I think you're amazing to do this whilst also
1: bringing up a child. I think you're amazing too. Thank you. (laughs) It is hard, but I kind of, and I don't know if this is maybe the wrong way to see it, but I truly feel like I don't have a choice. Yeah. If I don't face these things and resolve them and learn how to manage them better and then teach Dylan by doing that, then he's gonna grow up to feel exactly like I am. And he's gonna grow up to push his feelings down and have all of these problems come out in, in other areas of his life and I don't want that. I want him to feel happy and healthy and content without all of this other awful stuff. And the only way we can do that is by healing ourselves.
0: Also, I just I want to know if he comes to me with a problem or you know something great that's happened. I actually want to be able to not even know what the right thing is to say, but I want to say the right thing. I do want to do that, and I don't want it to come from a codependent place or any unhealthy attachment or bad habits that I've learned from nought to now. I don't know.
1: I felt like such a mess and such a fuck-up. And there's so many things in life that I now I think oh I got that so wrong and therapy and like not just therapy but like reading more, learning more, understanding codependency and love addiction and all of the rest of it. It gives me like a tiny bit of hope. Like even when things are really hard, I know I'm moving in the right direction now. I know like say like nothing changes and nothing changes and I know now. I, I am slowly, <laughs> I am changing things. Even if it feels really, really bad now, that won't last, that feeling will, will fade. And even if
0: it's a tiny, tiny change and you weren't doing it last week, that's
1: progress. I think it's um really important to learn to sort of to be kinder to yourself, especially when you've had like critical parents or you have a critical voice in your head that's come from somewhere and you have to quiet in that voice with self-compassion. But it
0: is, oh man, it's such a journey. My earliest memory to 16, well, mum and dad have been emotionally and physically abusive. My mum slept around a lot. But it was just, I lived in fear. You know, loads of different houses, care, foster care. But it was like, I never knew if I was coming or going. I never knew if my dad was gonna be in a mood. I never knew which boyfriend my mum was gonna have. Like It was just so inconsistent. And I just, I was constantly in fight or flight.
1: And uh, I lost my fight. Like, just think about what you just said. And like, the whole time that your brain was mapping itself, like literally like, it was putting everything together. This is what we do when this happens. This is what this means. That whole period of time, you were living in, in terror, basically. Is it any wonder now that that, that your default is to shut down and for your body to fire up ready for trauma? Like, of course it is. That makes total sense. And then, weirdly, my dad, when he did show
0: me love, he love-bombed me. In my child's mind, I thought, oh, he feels bad about what he just did to me. He's going to make it up to me. And he would by love-bombing me and he'd take me out for pizza after a beating, and... Now I have massive issues with food and yeah, anyone like loving me and I need validation and love bombing. I now don't see as a red flag. I see as a constant need to validate my feeling of worth, which actually is the exact opposite that I need. There was just no love and attention really from my mum. The only time she ever touched me was brushing my hair after I had a hair wash and now the only way I can get to sleep is watching ASMR videos of people brushing girls hair so that's great (laughs) and it was just constant flow of boyfriends who were really abusive because they were abusive to her and they were abusive to me and my siblings I used to do like youth theatre a lot my dad always wanted me to be an actress like he used to take me to loads of auditions and I never got picked because I was rubbish. I was just always remember like the high, the cortisol rush of like going in and him being so like, you have got this. I believe in you. You're the best. And then like literally within 20 minutes it was like, you were shit. This is why you didn't get it. You're not skinny enough. You don't look like this. And this was, you know, I was young. I was probably eight. And it was just, it was a lot. And I was constantly going to auditions, feeling the rejection anyway. Then my dad would reject me because I didn't do well in the auditions. If there was love, it was just really fake in my adult life. I don't believe it when people say they love me.
1: There's something else behind it. And if
0: someone's not consistent with me at all, I I just implode. The step monster didn't like to share my dad. So I felt like she provoked him quite a lot. And he just physically w- would hurt us a lot. It it was, it was just constant fear and going to school and covering bruises and no one noticing. I constantly think you're going to get saved by someone. And I just didn't. So I learned really early on that no one was coming to save me and that I needed to just survive. So I just did. I just placated. I read rooms I moulded myself to who exactly what that room needed me to be. And then I met Ian. And honestly, I mean, he is to this day just one of the most important people in my life. And he saved me. And I, he probably hates that I even say that. And he would give all the credit to me. He was moving to Brighton. I moved in straight in with Ian. And basically, you know, lived happily ever after. Until just before lockdown when we separated. But I'm about to be 37, and I got with him when I was 16, so it's been 20 years.
1: It's a long time.
0: It's just, we were so young. We've grown up together, but now we've kind of grown in different ways and want to explore what that is and what that looks like. Here is my safety net, and this is the first time in my life where I've been on my own, and I'm making mistakes and feeling bad. I'm getting angry and don't know what to do with it. I'm getting frustrated because there's so much stuff that I never did for myself, like my finances. Or, you know, I just had to buy a hammer the other day. It's so small, but for the first time in my life, I'm on my own and I'm completely responsible for myself and my child. But I'm doing it and I think I'm actually doing all right. And I think for so long I told myself I would never be able to. And the fact that I can is, is and has been and keeps going. It's like so empowering.
1: Do you think that when you and Ian broke up, because I guess if he's saved you and he's taken you away from all of that, like it must have been really difficult to then walk away from that, like you said, that safety net.
0: It was just so hard because no one had done anything wrong. It was just feelings. And also we're like... You know, I'm proud that I've been married for 13 years, and we've—I've been, been with this guy for 20. It's been incredible being married to him. But it's that was that was like one of the hardest things I've ever done is walking away from me and
1: yeah, and my complete safety net just into the absolute unknown for you. Yeah, like fucking Elsa. You're so brave. I think so many people are in that situation and just stay because it's easier to stay. And I think it's so brave to be like, no, I, like say, you want to explore this new stuff. I want to take a, this leap. Like, that's incredible. Is it brave, though? I think so.
0: Thanks. Didn't feel brave.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It never does.
0: You know, and that's I'm so careful with Max and all the things I, like, might put on him or, you know, because I don't want him to get all my shit, but it's really hard because I'm trying to heal myself. You know, if that kid doesn't come into this house and worry about what mood I'm in, I think I've done my job really well because I didn't have that. And, you know, that kid just cracks on with his day, doesn't read a room. And, I mean, I still do it today. Like, it's astronomically
1: debilitating actually yeah I thought that kind of thing was normal like again until I got to therapy I honestly thought that was just everyone does that and it like it's called hypervigilance isn't it and I just mm. thought we're all doing that but but you're right it comes from a place where when you were younger your your safety depended on you being able to read the room and act accordingly and i would do it now like if people to a silly degree like if people's tone of voice is just slightly off or if their text message is just slightly different from how it would normally be just immediately sends me into being five years old and being really unsafe you I think you either go a completely opposite way from your childhood or you become you become your parents or you go the opposite and and I think often when you go the opposite I'm certainly the same I've tried so hard to go the opposite that I've gone too far the wrong way if that makes sense and like for a while like I had such a bad like opinion even of like mental health and I was I don't need any of that and I'm not gonna cry and I'm not gonna because I was so desperate to not become my own mother they actually made me ignore things I should have been watching and I think you spend so long fostering a different childhood for your kids that it takes over everything it's exhausting and You actually get things wrong the other way, don't you? Like you go too much. My God, massively. That's what I found in therapy. Is like all of these things that are now causing me a hard time. You know, like they're all the things that we now are sick of and wish we didn't do. They at some point they kept us safe or or safer at least, and they all served a purpose. And my therapist always says it, and I find it so validating. What she always says, like how clever, how clever and smart of young you to figure out ways to stay safe. Like how smart of you know five, ten year old you to come up with those ways of staying say that's amazing and that's brilliant that like you did so well but now they're not serving you as well because you're not in that environment and that's okay and then you just have to well f- figure out new ways of coping. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, you're right. It is really clever. When I talk about on Instagram and stuff I know people think it's like such woohoo and, and I would have before. But inner child work for me has been so transformative and becoming more loving towards my inner my own inner child has honestly been so amazing but I've done like visualizations and I'll like um visualize holding a baby and then it's me or like I'll visualize like where my inner child would be in the room and when I first started therapy it was like outside the door like I couldn't even bring her in and then sort of slowly up and able to like bring her closer and now I have like I have a few pictures of her up in my house which is like quite a big thing and like oh. I I try really hard to like connect with her more like I'll um I'll occasionally like buy something it sounds so ridiculous I know but I'll sometimes I used to love Care Bears as a kid so occasionally like I'll buy something like Care Bears and like it just brings me like a whole like a level of happiness that I can't even describe I don't feel every day because it's like such a young just little tiny things like that or like if I'm if I'm in a really bad way I'll put on um Gummy Bears the tv show on Disney Plus and it just I'd get in a blanket, wrap myself up and watch that. And it is just like nurturing that inner child. And it is so healing. I can't explain why it is. I should do that with some photos because I've literally got, I think maybe three
0: photos of me as a child. And I was like, oh, as you said that, I was thinking, God, maybe
1: I should print them. I've got so many pictures of Macs everywhere. Yeah. It started by, I just took one into therapy and then she was like, you know, if you felt comfortable, you could put that somewhere in your house so you could look at it. And so I've got it um, in my kitchen right by my Alexa. So I, when I check the time, I just always see her and it it's just, oh. I feel more connected to her. And I think that's really important because when you've spent so long either suppressing memories and emotions and feelings or just not looking at that part of you to try and look at it in like an affectionate way, I, I need to look after you. I'm going to look after you now. No one looked after you then. And that's awful, but I'm going to look after you now. Because it's hard at the moment, isn't it, to connect it also. I'll just be feeling really overwhelmed and I won't quite be like, oh, my inner child. But I'm getting better at realising that's what I need. So then nurturing that part of you, doing things like painting, colouring. It feels fucking amazing. And I never would thought I would say these things, but it's really, really... Babes, I'm with
0: you on the woo-woo train. I also do just want to sit down now like I don't want any more trauma and I think that's why I can't make any new friends and I won't really I do find it really hard with new people because I can't let any more in I
1: don't know if I'll survive another one. This is it because it's dangerous and I think that's that specifically is what keeps me it's like ironic in a way because I'm stuck in miserable situations with people that Mm. I shouldn't be stuck with because I'm fucking terrified of the alternative, which is either being alone forever or having to let someone new into my life, which is just a whole new level of scary. Like, it's almost like better the devil you know. Like, I'm in a shit situation, but at least I understand it. I know how the dynamics work. I'm used to it because it's a pattern I've been repeating forever. (laughs) You know your role. Yeah, I found my place.
0: But then that's so sad because it's limiting your potential to have this lovely life and that can look in a million different ways it doesn't have to be perfect it's just it's your perfect it's your way it is sad but if we don't even know what we're
1: bloody looking for how are we gonna find it this is it and then i think you start to believe it's not out there for you i don't think it gets easy i think it just gets different constantly it's just new ways to figure out how to handle it
0: thanks for listening to our trauma come back next week when it might have got better oh uh,
1: yeah hopefully this is has been an interesting listen and people understand our perspective a bit going forward this is who we are nice to meet you if you've enjoyed listening don't forget to like rate and subscribe and tell all of your pals is that what they're supposed to do i think so i think that's what podcasts say these days you can follow us on social media at at Natasha Bailey. Come find us on Instagram. Are we talking about
0: dildos? Natasha, are we talking about Vikings? 100%. Oh, I've just finished Feel Good. <laughs>
1: Put this back at the beginning. <laughs> You're so amazing. I don't think you know that.
0: You're really amazing.
1: No, you're amazinger. But I'm older.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've just been amazing for longer time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, okay. Thank you very much. Okay.
1: I think we're a credit to ourselves. Yeah, me too. Me too.